Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us at another edition of the Practicology Podcast. Thanks for being a part of our lives as we help make the Bible part of yours. This is February, I Love to Read Month, episode number two, as we go through the book Key Bible Concepts and give you some special podcast episodes based on some of the concepts that come from that book, Christian Theology, Gospel Theology, that is going to excite us and help us in our joy in our walk with God. Mike, what do you have on for us today? Well, we're going to talk about a very exciting doctrine today, Matthew, although it's a big long word that ends in one of those Latin endings, Asian, but it is an exciting doctrine. It's a doctrine that can literally change your life. We're talking about the doctrine of justification by faith. And don't let another day go by without understanding and appropriating this life-changing and destiny-changing truth. And, and also don't think that the world has moved on from needing, needing this truth of justification. I know we don't use the word often anymore, but we still do use it. Even on your Microsoft Word processor, you'll see that word there as left justified or right justified and so on. But regardless of whether we use the word or not in, in common speech today, we're all looking for justification. This world is full of people trying to get justification. The problem is, we all think that the way to get it is by our works, by our effort, by our own selves. So what does it mean to be justified? Well, it means to be declared in the right. If a judge declares the defendant in the courtroom to be in the right, that person is free to mix back in with society. That person is accepted. If he's condemned, he's found guilty. He's not in the right and he'll be shunned. He'll be locked up in prison so that he can pay for his crimes. Now, there's a real sense in which we all spend our whole life on trial. We feel that everyone is evaluating us, rating us, scoring us, judging us. And if we rate high, we'll be accepted. We'll be in the right. Doors will open up for us. Circles of people will open up to us. We'll be in. And the only way we can get that justification, that evaluation, is by our works, our skills, our effort. And as you say, that leaves us trying to justify ourselves. So even though our culture doesn't think much about God and isn't obsessed like Martin Luther was about being right with God, it doesn't mean the concept of justification isn't relevant anymore. You're pointing that out. Even at a cultural level, this is still a soft spot with people, something we need, something we crave. We feel we need it. Yeah. Like, have you noticed recently how absolutely full our world is of judgment and evaluation? Uh, people online condemning others. They're basically saying, you have sinned and fallen short. You're no good, rejected, deserving of punishment. And they often offer no opportunity for grace or forgiveness. There's, there's zero chance of atonement. And conversely, there's a lot of virtue signaling too. People signaling their virtue on social media so that Perhaps they'll be accepted by others. And, and then just more to the normal day-to-day, -day, uh, justification by works is the air we breathe every day. When I was a kid, I got report cards. and Back then, you could actually get a, a fail on your grade. In high school and college, there were exams to write, which would be all graded. and You'd get a GPA based on that. And at work, there's performance reviews. Those are always tense times for many. My insurance company rates me based on my driving performance. And if my performance is bad, they give me a bad rating and hit me up with some really expensive uh, insurance fees. 
And even my phone judges me for crying out loud. Every Sunday morning, I get this weird notification. Uh, I need to figure out how to shut that thing off. But this weird notification, and it tells me I've been a bad boy because my screen time is up this week. And uh, it really doesn't put me in a good mood to meet with the church that Sunday. Yeah, I know what that's about. That was for me. That was uh, showing up on our way to meeting, and with the phone sitting in the vehicle's mobile phone holder, it was visible to everyone who would see it light up. So I did find out how to shut that off. But in the concerns you're expressing with all these evaluations, I mean, I don't think you're saying, Mike, that there shouldn't be any form of evaluation in schools or in employment. Tell me if I'm wrong there, but I think you're just making the point well that we all live our lives on trial. We feel under scrutiny. And when we live our life on trial, we live life on edge. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've seen courtroom sketches and photos and videos of defendants on trial. And uh, not too many of them look very happy, let me tell you. Trying to be justified by our works is a, a major joy stealer. We're on edge, as you said, Matthew. We're anxious. We snap easily. I think this is why we're seeing so many strident voices on, on social media these days, because we all feel under judgment and because we're all trying to up our personal righteousness by our efforts, we're quick to condemn others. This is one of the ways we justify ourselves. If I can lose it on the bad tribe or the bad group online, then I will be justified and accepted by these other people that I'm really wanting to impress. I, my mind goes to the lead singer of a popular Canadian band. What he said in an interview just shocked me. He, he said, every day, I'm just trying to be the best possible version of myself I can be. Now, we're 500 years past Martin Luther, but, and, and, and I know as a culture, we're post-Christian, you know, is the term that's used. And we, we think we're way beyond this whole business of trying to be right with God and so on. But but when I hear that, I just, it's like, it's like I see Martin Luther in the tower and, and this lead singer of this popular band is saying, every day, I'm trying to be the best possible version of myself I can be. Listen to how exhausting that sounds. It's like every moment of our life is an unending episode of American Idol. And so the four official judges are watching us. If for one moment I fail to impress, Simon Cowell will scowl at me behind our world full of spectators. And if we are to be justified, if we are to be accepted, welcomed, affirmed, if we are to be declared righteous, we have to perform and it better be good. All right. So you've shown us that justification is not just a concept that spoke to people centuries ago, because back then people felt guilty and wanted to be made right with God. Our world today is still full of people trying to justify themselves and earn acceptance through their works. But some people might think you're given the impression that the only reason we need to talk about justification by faith is that it, it meets some felt need in our life. You know, I feel I need to be accepted and I, I feel guilty. And so if the Bible has something to offer that will make that feeling go away, then I'm all ears. But justification by faith isn't just culturally relevant. It is that, but it's also objectively relevant. It's spiritually relevant, right? Yeah, you're 100% right, Matthew. Justification by faith doesn't just meet a felt need in my life, but a real need. I don't just feel guilty. I am guilty. I don't just desire people's acceptance. I need God's acceptance. The reason we go through life feeling guilty is because deep down inside we know we are. And Romans chapters 1 to 3 is a big wake-up call to reality. Paul argues like a lawyer to show us our great need of justification by faith. 
we have broken God's law, done what is morally wrong. We have acted in unrighteousness and we are therefore guilty before God, the ultimate judge, and we deserve his punishment. And in chapter three, it's like Paul, the lawyer, wrapping up his closing argument. And it's so powerful to, to read these words. He's, he's standing there in the court and he says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside and become worthless. No one does good, not even one. We are sinners, he goes on to show, from head to foot. The wrath of God is hovering over us like the angry storm clouds that gathered over poor Martin Luther's head and nearly struck him with lightning. And there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. By the works of the law, says Paul, by our good deeds, no human being will be justified, will be declared righteous in God's sight. In God's courtroom, every one of us stands guilty and condemned. Our mouths are stopped, whether we're religious or secularists, whether we're philanthropists or criminals, we have no hope. We are headed for God's just judgment against our sins. It's hopeless. And, and that's the reason we need justification by faith. Not just so we can feel included by people, but because we have a sentence over our heads in the highest court in the universe. Yeah, Romans 1 to 3 is such a wake-up call. Uh, it is a clear condemnation upon us as sinners. The prosecution paints a, a dark but an accurate picture of us. So the situation looks very bleak. Mike, as you said earlier, when someone is sitting before the court being judged, there isn't a lot of joy. I, I've had a little experience with that in a small way, and uh, it was fairly intimidating. It didn't end very well either. Now I can read Romans 1 to 3 with joy. I love how Paul makes this argument. The Holy Spirit presents the argument. And now knowing that I have been justified by God, it, it's a pleasure to read this knowing that I'm free from that guilt and condemnation and in the right with God through Christ. Without that, it's a nerve wracking place to be. But there is a joy available for us. That's my point. There's a joy available for us in this courtroom setting. So why don't you explain to us that good news of justification by faith? Well, we come to the greatest news in the whole world. You'll, you'll never hear anything more wonderful than this. A just judge must declare the righteous righteous and condemn the wicked. And if he gets that backwards, if he declares the unrighteous to be in the right and then condemns the innocent, he himself becomes unjust. But Romans 3 verse 21 marks a great change in the, in the in the book of Romans and it begins with the word but but now but now God has devised a way of justifying the unjust without becoming unjust in the process according to their mutually agreed plan the father put forward his son as a propitiation by his blood i know that's another great big doctrinal word at the very basic level it simply means this that the son went to the cross to be our sacrifice. He who was righteous took the sinner's punishment, died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in Jesus and in his perfect work receives perfect pardon from all their sins. And the moment one comes to God for mercy and relies on Jesus to be her savior, God declares her to be in the right with him. Her status changes then and there. The divine judge 
hands down his verdict right then and there in this life, not, not waiting for a future day of final judgment, but right here in this life, the divine judge hands down his verdict over that girl's life. She doesn't need to wait for the final judgment anymore. She already knows God has looked upon me, has seen every wicked thing I've done, every wicked thought I've thought, and on the basis of Christ's work, has pronounced me righteous in his sight forever. Amen. I am nodding in joyful agreement as I hear you. This is truly awesome news. I love how you're delving into that paragraph in Romans 3. I think Leon Morris called that paragraph the most important paragraph ever written in the history of mankind. And then I love how into Romans 4, the Apostle Paul actually uses this almost as a name for God. Who is God? He says, God is the, he is the one who justifies the ungodly. Who is God? He's the God who declares righteous the wicked. Yes, and in that verse and, and in the surrounding verses, Paul also tells us that God counts or imputes righteousness to us. He reckons the very righteousness of God to our account. As in, it's not just that all our moral debt is forgiven and paid for by Christ. It has been, but there's so much more. God has positively imputed to our account an infinite and eternal righteousness, not just any righteousness, the very righteousness of God, divine righteousness, God's own righteousness is credited to us. A couple technical questions for you, Mike, maybe you just weren't expecting this, but let me just throw one at you. Is it right to say, does justification, is there a difference when we say justification means being declared righteous versus being made right? Yes, there is a difference in that, Matthew. And I mean, I guess it in part comes down to what you mean by being made right. But but justification by faith does not mean this. It does not mean that God reaches down and suddenly makes you a perfectly righteous person, as in like your heart is now sinless. You no longer have a sin nature. He, he gives you all this grace to make you into this amazingly righteous person. That's not what justification means. Rather, it means that he declares us to be in the right. So, so one understanding, the wrong understanding of justification by faith is that God morally changes us and transforms us. But the right one is, no, God declares us. He makes a judicial decision about us. He declares us to have a status of right standing with him. Great. Yeah, I think that is very well explained. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, fair to say that it, it means I'm made right with God, but I am not made righteous, as you have made perfectly clear. I will be one day, thank the Lord. Yes. Okay, and the second question, I think you just said this, but I just want to clarify again because of some other teachings I do catch wind of at times. Do I need to Do I need to wait for a final justification before I can say I'm truly justified? In other words, do I need to wait until judgment day to be clear that I am justified? No, uh, we get to know right now, um, ahead of the final judgment, what God's ultimate verdict is over us. And, and we get this not by trying harder, but by trusting, by trusting in Christ. That's why it's called justification by faith. And, and that's why this truth doesn't only change our destiny. We are saved from judgment in hell and instead look forward to God accepting us into his presence forever. But it does also change our life right now. Knowing now that I've been justified changes my life right now. Well, how so? Because, because we've already been justified. We're already accepted. 
we've been accepted by the one whose judgment of us means the most. You know, just as a man who's single might think, boy, if, if that woman there accepted me, if she accepted me, I wouldn't care if every other woman in the whole world rejected me. So, so we can say, because God accepts me, I don't care if others don't. I don't need the world to accept me anymore. I don't need that program to accept me anymore because God accepts me. And because this acceptance comes to me apart from my works, it can't be taken away from me by my works. I no longer need to work to get God's acceptance. I'm now free to live the Christian life because I've been accepted. And that's a big difference. I don't remember who I got this from, but just come back to American Idol with me for a second. It's the difference between the singer singing while she's being judged, not knowing what the verdict will be, and then singing again after she's already won the competition, right? You can feel the difference there, right? Now that I've won, now that I've been justified, now I'm free to sing and I don't need to worry about being evaluated anymore. I love Glenn Scrivener's way of putting it. He says, because of justification by faith, he says this, we, we can say this, I have nothing in my past to atone for and nothing in my future to prove. I have nothing left in my past to atone for and I have nothing left in my future to prove. Mm-hmm. Thanks for saying it twice because I was going to ask you to repeat it. It was a good analogy and then that is an excellent quote. But I still think, and I know you're with me on this, that the scriptures are our best source to quote on how the truth of justification by faith benefits us right now in this life. And Romans 5 and 1 is a classic text, right? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I agree, Matthew. Paul unpacks three benefits in that passage, three benefits that we get since we've been justified by faith. And the one you read is peace. We have peace with God. I know I've been saying how justification is legal language, but look at the relational impact it has. Because we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Our new status of being in the right before God means that we have a new relationship of peace with God. The war between us and God is over forever. There's nothing between us, dividing us, separating us, no condemnation. We are in a perpetual state of peace and shalom with God. Remember that episode we did back in the summer about talking to yourself, you know, not just listening to yourself, but talking to yourself. If I just listen to myself, I, I hear a voice saying this, Mike, you don't have peace with God. You've been failing to apply God's word diligently to your life lately. Your prayer life is getting awfully shallow. You're stressed out and you're failing to trust in the Lord as you should. Well, I'm so glad I can talk back to myself and, and come to God and say, Lord, your word doesn't say, therefore, since I've been praying lots lately and obeying lots lately and witnessing lots lately and feeling good lately, since, since that's true, I have peace with you. No, I can say, since I've been objectively, eternally, positionally justified by faith, I have peace with God. Even if I don't feel peace, I have it. As uh, Keller puts it, he says, having a righteousness means that doors open for you. So if you win an Olympic medal, uh, all kinds of doors open for you. That, that medal is like your righteousness hanging from your neck. And when we get God's righteousness imputed to our account, it's a righteousness that opens doors for us. It, it opens the door of God's presence to us. And so God says, oh, you've got the righteousness of God on your account. And he says, you can come, come in, come near. You can come as close to me 
as my own dear perfect son. Yeah, and that leads us into a second benefit mentioned there in Romans 5 that comes with justification by faith. Verse 2 says, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. How do you preach that benefit to yourself? Well, I like to put this one this way. Uh, Because I've been justified by faith, grace is the place I live in. I have access into this grace, which means I can draw on grace anytime I need. If I've sinned or if I'm tempted to sin, I can access God's grace. What grace? This grace in which I stand. I have access into this grace in which I stand. So grace is the town I live in. Grace is the sphere, the world, the universe I live in. The person who's been justified by faith lives in grace, stands in grace, swims in grace. You are covered and submerged in grace. And then the third benefit is this. We rejoice. There's the joy in the courtroom. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But because I've been justified by faith, I have the 100% certain hope that I will not only see the glory of God, but I'll even share in it. So what difference does justification by faith make? Well, it means you have peace with God. You've got 24-7 access to all of God's grace because grace is the town that you live in. What a lovely town. You get assurance, hope, certainty regarding sharing in God's glorious future. Yeah, it's full of practical uh, benefit for us. And, And because this doctrine is so foundational and important, both to our eternal future and to our joy here in the Christian life now, uh, let me just give a quick parenthesis, a really short warning. Uh, Maybe you've heard about something called the new perspective on Paul. Uh, Don't worry if you haven't, but but if you have, um, I'm I'm just aware that many are picking up books by, say, uh, one proponent, which is Tom Wright. Now, uh, Tom Wright is a very helpful writer. He's written some powerful stuff defending the literal resurrection of Christ and so on, but but he's also written popular works. And uh, his take on justification by faith is something to be very cautious of, I would say. I don't have time to get into this, of course, but uh, just use his material with a good, healthy dose of discernment, especially when it comes to justification by faith. And, and just, if you are wrestling with this, you, you could try reading Stephen Westerholm's book, Perspectives Old and New on Paul. It's very helpful. Thank you for the clarification, the caution. And as we wrap up this episode, Mike, I want to speak to any listener who hasn't yet trusted in Christ and urge you to turn away from any effort of trying to justify yourself and trying to earn God's favor. Admit you are a guilty and a helpless sinner. That's the verdict from heaven's courtroom. But the great news of the gospel is that there is grace available in Christ. And because of his cross death, you can be declared righteous, even though you're a sinner. You can be declared righteous by putting your faith in the perfectly righteous Lord Jesus. Amen. And and now just a closing word for everyone who has been justified by faith. Don't grow out of it. As, as Dane Ortland says, the Christian life is a daily clicking refresh on the URL of our justification by faith. Later in this series, we'll be covering the doctrine of sanctification. Well, know this right now, that the way to make progress in the Christian life, in sanctification, is to refresh yourself daily of the truth that you are eternally justified by faith through Christ. Joy of the justified, joy of the free. It's a great thing, and we will be getting to sanctification.
But next week we'll be dealing with redemption. So if you follow along in the Key Bible Concepts book by Gooding and Lennox, you'll be reading chapter six to eight, redemption, eternal life, and then repentance leading into faith as well. Thanks so much for being with us today. And thank you, Mike, for taking this deep, profound, powerful, wonderful theological doctrine of justification and showing us just how precious and relevant it is to us today. You're very welcome, Matthew. My joy, my pleasure, and the Lord bless everyone listening.